I thought we were here to find out why the demons attacked. Not for some sort of orientation, as you say, Cal says to Andromeda. We are. And we did. It's those. The clothes you wear now are what they were after. They hold great power, Andromeda says. So why are we here not protecting the town? So you still want to protect the town? Even after the looks they gave you and the things they said? As much as they like to believe it, I'm not evil. You must have questions. Yes, I do. I meet some stranger in the woods who says I have something to do. And then I follow them and meet you, who then says I have some grand destiny to protect the world and save the gods or whatever. And then I get attacked by someone from my past, someone I used to know, who is now a demon. Of course I have questions, but there are more important matters at hand. So what is this all about? Andromeda just stares at him for a while longer. Uh, how long have you been a guardian? Since the beginning. The beginning of what? Time. There's a long pause after her answer. What? Why me? Why have I been the one chosen for this? If you were in this prophecy with this son of the sky, why am I just now getting here when you've been here forever? Your past. What? You've been wondering why you? The answers lie in your past. The room fades and begin to mirror Cal's memories as he begins to recall his life before the forest. I was born in a small village. The first year of my life was spent with my parents, my father, Aaron, and my mother, Vera, a retired adventurer. When they had me, the only problem that presented itself for them was that I was born with skin as blue as the sky hair and eyes like clouds, and I guess if that wasn't enough, I had natural markings that ran up my arms, across my chest and back, but this did not change the love they had for me, no. And through my first year of life, they both cared, and they both loved me. At age five, I found myself watching and wondering about the strange looks I received while walking with my mother around the village. I didn't realize it at the time, but my appearance made everyone uneasy. But I just wondered why they would stare. Cal and Andromeda watch as his memory of this moment plays out in front of them. Why do they look at us like that, Mom? Young Cal asks. They've just never seen anyone as cool as you, son. Vera answered with a smile. She knew, Cal says. She knew why. 
You see, I found out later that during a meeting with the village, after I was born, the village chief, Jaira, who you met, expressed hesitance in whether I was safe to have around or not. My son is just as peaceful as any of you, says Aaron, Cal's father. His appearance is unknown, and yet he is familiar to me. He is my son. I know it. And as such, he is no danger to anyone. He may not look it, but I assure you, his humanity is not lost. The words Dad spoke that day persuaded the villagers to hold their fear back. He was charismatic, and his choice of words were impeccable. He won over the feelings from the entire village when he first arrived there, so they were slightly accepting of the claim of my humanity. He was normal, like Mom. No blue skin. Normal. So when Dad disappeared after my first birthday, it was the belief that the demon, as they dubbed me, to be the cause. But Mother was well respected within the village. She saved it on her last job as an adventurer. And apparently, whatever she protected them from, if it had continued, would have set them back for generations. So, because of Mom's interference, the stairs were kept as just that. Stairs. It lasted for some time. The peace between the villagers and I. For me, there was no peace to be had. I had no qualms with anybody. I didn't understand it, but... I was a kid. One day, I was playing in the woods behind my house, and something caught my eye. I saw Mother practicing her martial arts nearby. I snuck in to get a closer look. As I watched as she performed the intricate and studied movements, I found myself mimicking her. She noticed me, of course. Mother was perceptive. And she saw that while I was still unrefined and a little sloppy, I showed great promise in her style. What made you mimic me, Skyboy? She asks. I don't know. Looks cool. I love to move around, he replies. How about I teach you, son? You have very good intuition when it comes to the style. Yeah? Oh, man, this is going to be so awesome. When do we start? Now. So, she decided to take me as her disciple, which for her was rare. Many people of the village and from other places sought her teachings. She refused to pass her style down to just anyone. They had to meet her qualifications before they could even begin to undergo her rigorous training. But in the few moments I had seen her style, I guess she saw promise in me. Her training was tough and unforgiving. She showed me no special treatment because I was her son, and she treated me just like she would treat any disciple she had, although I was her one and only. And even though the training was as tough as it was, I progressed 
faster and further than she expected. She said that I was all a master could hope for in a student, and all a mother could hope for in a son. Cal's eyes start to tear up as he says this. She said I was kind, even when others showed hatefulness. I was caring and proud of who I was. But even still, the stares never ceased. As I grew older, I began to notice the maliciousness behind them more and more. In fact, because of the jealousy they experienced, the hate and fear towards me had grown exponentially. They wished for their children to be students of Vera Caldwell, but they were refused. So their hatred for me had gone from stairs to something worse. You see, many of the children began playing pranks on me. I'm pretty sure that their parents told them to do so. But that's when they found out that I had a short temper. And once I figured out that the kids were the ones behind it, behind the notes and the drawings, labeling me as a demon, I sent them home with bruises. Stunted egos. The parents were furious, of course, telling Mom that the demon child should be banished from the village. Mom, of course, refused. Her only son should not be subjected to such terrible punishment. So instead, she offered to keep me and her away from the other people in the village. She would build a separate house within the woods nearby and only come into the village for supplies and essentials. This seemed to appease them for the moment, but it did not change their opinion towards me. And just a few months after I turned ten, I was in for the toughest night that I've ever had. Cal doesn't speak another word as the rest of his memories play out. And as they watch, they see terrible things. Vera is loved. It is her child that sows destruction, spoke one of the villagers at the meeting held every month. Her exile was self-imposed. I say they'd be sent even further away. We do not need her. There hasn't been an attack in years, says another. But we do not know. There could be one tomorrow, and she has set her and that thing three miles outside the village. The owner of the tavern screams. We could all die if she's not here. And then, an uproar. Voices overlap in the hall as everyone speaks of their possible demise, and if it's worth their safety to have a demon in their midst. But a loud banging on the wall brings them back to sanity. The village needs her, says Chief Jaira. Her protection is invaluable, but she has clearly been coerced by that demon who poses as a child. In order to save her and this village, we must kill the demon. And so, one fateful night, 
as Vera and Cal were doing their nightly trainings. The amber glow filled their view on the dark horizon, and on the ends of flaming torches they saw villagers mad with rage and murder in their eyes. Vera hurried Cal inside. She grabbed her staff. It had not seen battle in years, but she was determined not to let her son be taken. She touched her forehead to his and said, Stay inside, and don't come out until I say it's safe, okay? Cal nodded. The doors shut with a creak as he watched his mother exit. Muffled tones were heard from outside as Vera tried to calmly turn the mob away and back to their homes. Give us the demon and you will be saved. I know it is hard, but once the evil loses its grip on you, you will see, says Jaira. He's just a child. We will leave and you will not hear from us again, but please do not hurt my son, replied Vera. It seems you are mistaken, Miss Caldwell. Your son, as you call him, cannot be allowed to leave. He will bring destruction to the world. Demons must be destroyed, lest we incur the wrath of the gods. Cal had steeled himself for a battle. If nothing else, he had to protect his mother, his only family. And that is when the sound of the back window being opened made his heart race. He turned to find one of the villagers who had snuck in from behind the house, a person probably six years older than Cal. He held a small wooden fence post in his hand. It was obviously improvised, probably torn out of the ground and broken in half to fit better in the hand. The teenager took a swing at Cal, aiming for his ribcage, but the kid was too fast for the older attacker. The young Cal closed the distance between him and his would-be assassin and delivered two fast jabs to his solar plexus. The assailant fell to his knee, trying to catch his breath, but... Before he could, he was already being hit with the last attack. Cal felt the assassin's jaw move out of place as he placed a roundhouse to the side of his face. His training has paid off, but the noise from the unconscious villager hitting the ground had only riled the mob outside even more, and they rushed in past Vera. Someone tries to hit Cal with a blunt object, but Vera is extremely fast, and after rushing to block the attack on her son, she delivered blow after blow of devastating attacks, knocking out quite a few villagers. The sounds of bones breaking and screams of pain fill the home as she viciously attacks, disarm, and immobilizes her enemies. But even a master such as herself can't block all the attacks that come. A sword comes rushing down toward Cal. He readies himself to dodge and maneuver to counter but he froze with horror as the sword sliced into his mother's hand. She catches the sword mid-swing, and as he watches the blood drip from her hand, it brings out an anger in Cal no one had ever seen. His eyes change from pure white to the look of storm clouds so gray they could be mistaken for black, and he began to punch and swing at all the villagers in the immediate area. His moves were different from the style his mother taught him, changed from the rooted stances and powerful strengths 
to something more flowing and even more devastating. His stances flow freely as he moves in and around the range of attack of his opponents. But even with his fluid style, he's able to deliver devastating power from the smallest of movements. His mother calls for him to run, but her voice falls on deaf ears as he is blinded by the burning rage of seeing his mother hurt. And while his rage is burning and fists are flying, Cal is almost struck again, but this time his mother stepped in front of the strike. It could be nothing less but fatal. She falls into Cal's arms as the sword exits her stomach and the wound opens. Cal, in his rage, begins to howl and scream. A strong gust of wind fills the room and knocks the torches from the villagers' hands and begins to set the entire home ablaze. And just as he's becoming surrounded by the villagers during his wail, his form shifts and he turns into a strong wind. It blows the villagers back and ignites the fire even further. Cal exits the home, mother in tow through a hole in the wall created by the powerful blow of the wind, leaving behind a blazing inferno of the villagers. In what direction he's traveling, he's not sure. He just wants to save his mother, but he goes for miles. They land in the middle of a dense forest. Cal starts to look around to see where they are as he reforms his body. And then he hears Vera's voice. Son, son, I'm so sorry, she says. Mom, no, 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 it's, it's not your fault. I'll find someone and they can fix you. They can fix you up and we'll be okay. We'll go somewhere else. We'll find a new place to live and then everything will be okay. Cal, Cal, Vera interrupts. The forest is extremely dangerous. Get somewhere you'll be safe or you'll be dry. Be careful of the things you eat. You can do this. You're strong. Cal's face drops as he realizes what his mother is implying. Cal, focus. You have to hunt to eat, okay? The best choice for you right now is to find vegetation and rabbit for the time being. Once you get the hang of it, you, you can find bigger things. I'm so proud of you, my beautiful sky boy. You'll be fine. I love you so much. I love you too, Mom. Cal gives his mother one final hug as rain and thunder replaces the sound of nature. And as she breathes her final breath, her bow staff falls from her hand and onto the ground. Young Cal lays his mother down and starts to dig. He digs and digs until his fingers bleed and his nails break, but he digs. He must have dug for hours, it seemed. And as he turned and kneeled next to her, he waited to see that maybe she would wake up. But after a few more minutes, he places his mother in the hole and fills it with the dirt that he dug up. 
and he stands. And as he stands, he wipes tears away from his cheeks, begins to walk, fist balled, and determination on his face. Cal and Andromeda watch as the scene fades away. The last thing that disappears, the bow staff. The very same bow staff that he keeps in his training room. You see, that's my past. I don't understand why. Why that makes me qualified to be a guardian. Andromeda moves towards Cal and begins to speak, but is interrupted. As the room they are in suddenly disappears and they are back inside the guild hall. And they hear it. The flapping of wings. Growling and snarling in the distance.